So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite sting. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo, and with me, as always, is Eric Walensky. Hey, Phil. Uh, I have absolutely no witty catchphrase to twist for this week. Ooh, all right, that's it. All right, that's it. Dishonor. Dishonor, Dishonor on your whole family. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. Yes, everybody, this week we're going to be looking at Disney's Mulan, both the 1998 animated feature and the brand new 2020 straight to Disney Plus live action remake. So, Eric, take me back to 1998. Take me back to uh, a time when there was much more innocence in the world and live action remakes of Disney animated films was not a thing. And, and tell me your memories of Mulan. Um, my memories of Mulan, I didn't actually see it until 2002. Um, this is one of the Disney films that got by me. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, Pocahontas sort of cooled my jets on Disney animation back then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, after Pocahontas, I was kind of like, uh, I can, I can take a break from these films now because, I mean, after gobbling up Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King and then and then Pocahontas, I was like, oof, all right, <laughs> they're, they're stalling out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't see it until um, I had a, a job at a resort and we had to uh, we had movie night. And where the children could come watch movies, and Mulan was on one night, and I was uh, it was my shift to basically supervise the room. And really, there's nothing to do when you supervise a room of kids watching a movie except sit there and watch the movie yourself. And uh, and I watched it, and I really, really liked it. And I kind of wished I'd I'd seen it earlier because it was definitely a step up from from Pocahontas, and it it had a, a lot more. Uh, I the songs were better. For me, I wouldn't say they were more memorable because the only one I really remember remember is "I'll Make a Man Out of You," but um, but it felt more upbeat and fun, and uh, and I think a lot of that it's because uh, as you already quoted, Eddie Murphy just uh, really brought it with that dragon, and and he was kind of the spirit behind uh, no pun intended uh, making Mulan as, as good as it was. 
I agree. I agree. Um, you know, we talked about Eddie Murphy being courted for a genie as Aladdin or in Aladdin as genie, uh, back in 92 and they didn't use him for six years, but in 1998, they got him from Milan as Mushu and he just, he jumps off the screen. Uh, and in, in an attraction that used to be in Disney Hollywood studios, he quite literally jumped off the screen. There's a walkthrough where you can go through where they used to actually animate films. And that was animated in the studio that was part of Walt Disney world at the time. Hmm. So it's, uh, they had a really close connection with, with the character. And so they made Mushu as the person who led you through the quote unquote walkthrough attraction. Mm-hmm. He's a great character. Eddie Murphy knows what he's doing when, when it comes to comedy, or at least he did in the nineties. <laughs> I didn't see it in theaters either because I felt in the nineties, I was in high school at the end of the nineties and I was too cool to see Disney movies in the theater. And so I missed quite a few of them. I didn't see Pocahontas in theaters in 95. I didn't see um, Hunchback in theaters. I didn't see Hercules in theaters and I didn't see Mulan in theaters. But in 1999, in school, uh, I was in some class. I don't even remember what class, but they played Mulan, which is weird because I was a senior in high school and they played Mulan for us. And so I, I watched it and I actually really enjoyed it, which made me then go back and watch the movies that I'd missed in the theater. And, um, you know, I wound up being okay with most of them, but Hunchback turned into one of my favorite Disney animated features of all time. See, that's interesting that we both kind of skipped over that period for different mm-hmm. reasons. I mean, I was all into them. I thought they were great. And then it, yeah. it, Pocahontas just hit the brakes for me. And I, yeah, that's not a good movie. And I wasn't, so then, then I just soured. So I, I skipped, uh, I skipped Hercules. I skipped uh, Hunchback and I skipped Mulan too, because they just, you probably skipped all the way up to 2002 then, right? Yeah, and actually, I did see Hercules at that same movie night. That was a different night, and mm-hmm. and watched uh, Hercules, and I I really like that. But uh, yeah, Hercules is good. Pocahontas is the one, in my opinion, sad point in that time, and it's because they, you know, we we talk about that at another time, but they took that the historical property and just kind of pillaged it. <laughs> sure. Well, and and I think. I think also, not that I've even given the movie a second thought since I saw it, uh, I think its its main miss is exactly what makes Mulan hit, is they didn't have the funny, wacky sidekick. You know, she had a couple of animals that didn't didn't talk. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that 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 kind of kills a Disney animation movie if you don't have, you know, your buddy Hackett as the seagull or, you know, your uh <laughs> your uh Robin Williams as a genie, right, right. You know, you yeah. you've got to have that fun, witty, snappy character. You know, Danny DeVito, and uh, and then uh, in Hercules, and then such a great villain in James Woods as Hades. Yeah. You know, you got to have that, and and Pocahontas didn't, but but we're not talking about Pocahontas. Nope, nope. But Mulan, <laughs> it it did have Mushu, and Mushu was great. And the little cricket creechy was just a fun little character that th- they always have the one character that talks to them and the one character that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And creechy as the cricket got into some fun hijinks 
as a character that couldn't talk. And it's just, it's a fun story. And yeah, we can talk about how it's not historically accurate because the Huns didn't actually invade during the time that Mulan or the story of Mulan, which is, sure. um, it's a, it's a true fable told in China. And it's a, one of those stories that's passed generation to generation as a verbal story. It, it wasn't until, you know, many years later that it started to be written down and now it's been written several different times and it's been put on film several different ways. But the Disney version of Mulan used the Huns, uh, and it's just, you know, not historically accurate, but for that flaw, it still has so many good positives from like what you said, the music, the characters are fleshed out. The, the comedy is on point when it needs to be. And then it's serious when it needs to be. I mean, Christina Aguilera sings a beautiful song. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got everything you could ask for. Oh, I totally agree. I don't, uh, the, the historical inaccuracy that that didn't bother me because honestly I didn't know whether it was historically correct or not. And, and the bad guy was just so simple. There really wasn't a need to, to give him a backstory, which, which is one of my sort of problems with the live action Mulan. Um, but, but it was just a fun, good. It really reminded me of of watching Aladdin and and Lion King again. Like, wow, this is this is what this is what they were supposed to be. You know, fun, lighthearted. Get get a wacky character in there. You know, make you laugh a little bit. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. But then we flash forward to 2020, and we we get this huge epic film that Disney made for 200 million dollars. Another one in there line of live action remakes of their animated properties and it like i said 200 million dollars to make this movie and unfortunately because of the covid19 pandemic it couldn't be released in theaters i so i i work for disney and one of the things that i get to do as a fun little aside working for disney is i get to go to la and work premieres and the last premiere i was able to work was the mulan premiere because it was supposed to be released in march which is when everything shut down. So it was pulled from theaters, but they still, or it didn't even make it to theaters they, because of everything getting shut down, but they still had the premiere in February. So I went up to LA and I got to see all the actors and I worked the red carpet and it was very, very fun. And everyone was excited about this movie. Everybody that was involved, everybody that was there to see it or to be part of the premiere was just ready for this. What looked like in the trailers amazing war movie that's not really made for kids but truly was going to be a faithful war epic and you know i was really excited to see it and of course like i said the pandemic shut everything down so it then was on hold for months and months and months and just in september uh, september 4th it was released on disney plus for a premium and, you know, we could talk about that if we want, but a lot of people on the internet hate that Disney's charging $29.99 to be able to watch Mulan on Disney+. Plus. A lot of people think it should just be released for free. Well, ask, asterisk free, because you're still paying for Disney+. Plus, Right. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't even say release it for free. Release it for the cost of your membership to the streaming service already. Sure. I, I just think that 
when you make a $200 million movie, you need to try to recoup some of that money. I know you're not going to recoup all of it. There's no way to in this time, but you need to try to recoup some of it. And they oh, I, have made like 50 million on it. So sure I, it's or 20 million, something like that. They didn't make back their budget even close to their budget, but um, they did make some money. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree that I just, I guess I was just taking exception to saying it, you know, release it for free. Because technically, it's not free. It's it, you're still paying for the service. But I think, uh, yeah, if people really broke down the cost of seeing it or paying thirty dollars for it, I mean, you're you're gonna pay, you know, for a family of four, at More least forty to fifty dollars mm-hmm. for a family mm-hmm. of four, not counting concession, just to get in the door. Yep. So I think thirty dollars, if you, you know, heck, if you brought over the neighbors. And understanding mm-hmm. COVID, you know, bring over your neighbors safely if you trust them. Right. Um, <laughs> but, Which you know, you could have... I've heard people do. Yeah, you mm-hmm. could have eight people watch this for 30 bucks. And yeah. that's that's a steal when it comes to a Hollywood blockbuster. So... Yep. Agreed. We, uh, we know people who, uh, the weekend that it was released, they have a projector and a screen. And so they invited friends over and all sat socially distanced in their backyard and watched it on their blow up screen with their projector. And that was like eight to 10 people that were in a backyard watching the movie for $30. So I I agree. I think that it's a great deal if you want to support um, this movie. Right. But at the time of this podcast release, it Mulan is now out for everyone for free. So uh, if you didn't pay to see it, you now can just watch Disney Plus if you have a subscription, obviously, but you can watch it on Disney Plus. Uh, if you still want to see it after we finish talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a very spoiler-heavy podcast, so hopefully you've watched it before. Yeah, you you you, uh, you mentioned the trailer. It looked like an incredible war epic. Um, they were going to be a little more uh, um, in line with the original uh, poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but the thing that was catching my attention that I was like, oh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be so cool is they kept teasing the Phoenix and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's going to be the Mushu character. Oh man. How are they going to pull this off? Oh, this is going to be sweet. Like I hadn't heard like who's voicing it or any of that. And like, I didn't, I didn't even Google it to like see who it was and and it and it hadn't been spoiled for me accidentally. Like I saw like a, a story on the internet that said so and so as the voice of this. So I was like, this is perfect. I have no idea who the the Phoenix is gonna be or anything, and this is gonna be so great. And oh, I'm sorry, what? There's no Mushu light character? Oh Yeah, it's uh it's a sad it's it's sad because they took any comedy out of this film. It's truly a, like I kind of wanted a war epic, but I did want some lightheartedness, you know? Well, yeah. And the the problem that I have, and we'll just go right into it. The problem that I have with this this film is that it's like they didn't know what they wanted it to be because you saw in the trailers that it was going to be this great war epic. And, you know, you, you know, it's being released by Disney. So, and it's a beloved animated feature so Mm -hmm. there's got to be a line for kids too Mm -hmm. but it feels like they didn't know where that line was and 
like, I'm not going to let my five-year-old daughter watch it because it's a little too violent and some scenes might be a little too scary for her. And like, I didn't love it because it wasn't just a war epic or it wasn't just a fun family film. It was a weird in the middle kind of film. So it's like they just didn't know how to make it for both audiences. And because they didn't know how to do it, they failed at it. Yeah, they ended up making it for neither audience, really. Right, right, exactly. Um, and then getting rid of the music, too. I love the score because the score has elements of the original songs in it, and I think that's really, really well done. But yes. without the songs, you take away some of the heart of what made the movie good. You know, not just M- Musha wasn't the only thing that made the movie fun. The songs made gave you a break in the action or were part of the action to help explain the story. And you just miss, you miss them. And they're they're It's a big hole that's left in you, the live action. You hit it right on the head. I say that a lot in this podcast. <laughs> you hit a lot of things right on the head. Bill. <laughs> I got to get a new expression. <laughs> um, but yes, the songs help tell the story in, in the animated film. And the animated film also is only like 90 minutes. Right. So when you pack in elements of the story into the songs to move the story along, you can get more story into less amount of time. This movie was actually almost two hours, and it seemed belabored mm-hmm. because they just went through so many scenes that I think they they just put too much effort into like the – now, it's not the Huns. It's whoever the bad guy was, whatever – Um, going and raid yeah yeah raiding these villages and stuff and um i didn't need that that's what i liked about the first one was just bad guys coming it's not about the bad guy the bad guy could be anything this is this is where in the elements of storytelling you, you don't need to have everybody have a whole reason for what they're doing no bad guy he kills people and, and they take over. I think that's maybe even why they use the Huns just to eliminate having to tell you who this new bad guy is that you don't know who he is. You just say the Huns. And, oh, yeah, the Huns, they they were killers. They they raided villages, and they just were taking over. And yeah. I, that's what made it simple in the first one, even though not necessarily accurate. Where in this right. one, now they're telling you all about who this something or other Khan guy is. They're the Ruran army. Yeah. And that's the name of the army that truly came through to try to take over China during this time when the Mulan story um, came to, you know, came out. Um, Right. And see, that's the thing that's lost on me as it clearly, I can't even remember the name because I'm not here for a history lesson, really. I'm here to see a remake of a Disney animated movie. So I think too much effort was put into historical accuracy at the cost of a fun Disney film. Like this doesn't even seem like a Disney film to me at all. I would have, if not already knowing that this was a a Disney animated film and I were to see trailers for Mulan, I would never have guessed like, Oh, this is Disney. Cause it, it just doesn't feel like it. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, the Bori Khan played by Jason Scott Lee, who, has been around Disney for a while. He's he played uh there was a live action jungle book and he was Mowgli way back in the day. Um mm-hmm. 
he Jason Scott Lee, I love him. I think he's a great actor, but he just was given really nothing in this film other than to grunt and do some, you know, some some action, some stunts. Um, I thought he was honestly he was menacing. Yeah, he did, but yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was I was just gonna say, like, I think he's an incredible actor you you mentioned he's been around a long time like i barely recognized him from my name is earl or any of the jason or kevin smith movies oh come on <laughs> seriously he was really oh he, was, he just is a chameleon right oh oh jason scott lee oh not right. jason lee i'm sorry i got those guys mixed up <laughs> i was like my goodness what a transformation <laughs> oh man well I- to put a point though on Jason Scott Lee, he does a good job being a menacing villain, but he doesn't, he's not given anything to flesh out his character. No. We're told that he's going to attack the emperor of China because the emperor killed his father. And so that's why they're coming to get revenge and then take over China. But it's just, his scenes are so short and he's never given, like I said, more than just, a couple lines and then some grunts that he's just not fleshed out enough. And then the witch that they throw in Jian Yang is um, brought in as an adversary to Mulan because they bring in this, this idea of chi, which is a very important in Chinese culture, but they make chi work like the force and so they're they're towing a line where in the original animated feature there was no supernatural force that controls all things, but here the chi, which the the Chinese people do believe in, they use it to create a witch that can turn into bats and can turn into a bird, and it's just very very muddy. Oh, super muddy! It it added too much. Like like we already said the. The Huns were just the simple, that's the bad guy at the end. And then this one, mm-hmm. oh, here's sort of a backstory, but not really. And now guess what? You get a witch. Well, why do we need a witch? Well, because Mulan's a Jedi. Oh, well, that's completely different. And none of it's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> none of it's entertaining. It's all just, mm-hmm. You know, one of the most iconic sequences in Mulan, the animated feature, is when she steals the armor and leaves and has the big scene where she cuts her hair and like it's epic in the animated feature. Yes. And here she steals the armor and the sword and the horse and just disappears. And we don't we don't see really any of that. Right. That's where the emotion comes in. That's where a right. character makes a defining moment. Mm-hmm. And, and they no, skipped it. They cut it. Yeah, and they and they skipped it. Like I even was waiting for like the cutting of the hair, and and no, just just took it and went. She's just gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was yeah. sort of a flashback later of her watching her family sleeping, right? But but that's, that's not. But you didn't even that, need that. You didn't. It doesn't do. It doesn't hit the emotional punch that in the original animated feature it did right. when it showed her suiting right. up and, and getting ready right. to leave, you know? Right. But yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I, I made the statement earlier about, you know, being turned off by Pocahontas and saying, cause it didn't have a fun, witty character, but that's this, this is almost exactly like Pocahontas for me. Again, 
it it went with the historicalness rather than making it a fun movie mm-hmm. and and i don't think anybody's watching this like picking apart historical inaccuracies really you might note them but this isn't like they went out to make a movie about history for people to you know be informed or anything so right i don't know why it was necessary but you you miss you miss a whole a whole part of a disney film by not having the fun character and yes the phoenix then ultimately was just a just a thing flying around they, they yep. took out that whole side story about the ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and that's sad because it connects Mulan with the past and connects her with her family and gives her even more of a purpose as to why she's she's going out right. to take her father's place. Where here, it's truly just because her father's hurt and we don't get a connection to her to her ancestry other than the fact that her father says the phoenix is part of our family and it connects us. Right. Yeah, then the, that connects her more to the Phoenix than to her family. And we don't see that sense of honor that, that Mulan in the animated film right. felt. This this right. was just, oh, I'm headstrong and I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, one of the things that Disney live action remakes do is they they boil their characters down and this is something that really gets me and and my wife we talk about this quite a bit is how they boil down their female characters to just one phrase or one defining feature and we you know you and i we haven't talked about cinderella yet but we'll eventually get to it on this podcast cinderella it's like be kind that's the the message of cinderella is be kind and so that defines cinderella's characters be kind in here in mulan they boil her down to three words, which is brave, loyal, and true. And they just say it over and over and over again. And it's like, what was brave, loyal, and what? Oh, oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the first one again? Oh, they said it again. Yeah, brave. Okay, I got it. It's just hitting us over the head of those three phrases, those three words. And yes, I understand that they mean something. But as a film, you, you're not trying to beat your audience over the head with something. You're trying to lead them somewhere. And instead of leading them to the fact that she's brave, loyal, and true, they say it about, I don't know, 13 times, 14 times in the, the length of the movie. Yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd have to see Cinderella to see whether or not it's distinctly what they do with their female characters, mm-hmm. because I, I felt every character in this was boiled down to nothing. Like in the animated film, in the army, moving forward into the film when she finally joins the army you know she had uh i don't remember all their names yao and the great big one and then the other one (laughs) now i know i'm kind of glazing over them in that fashion but my point is in the animated film it was harvey firestein was Mm -hmm. the voice of yao and then the other two had these distinct kind of characters one was the kind of softer gentler and they tried to get that they tried to get that uh, mm-hmm. point across in this one but but basically all the soldiers blended together because even on screen i couldn't tell which one was which until they like put a distinct close-up on them yep there was nothing distinguishing about any of them there was nothing even distinguishing about the soldier who not the love interest but the one that you know got the closest to mulan and 
And that was even changed from the original because it was the captain, I believe, that got the closest to Milan. Right. Yeah. I do like that they didn't create a love interest in this film. They didn't make her feel like she needed a love interest like they did in the original because that's just in this story, that's not necessary. I agree. You don't you don't need it. And so the fact that he went up to her at the bridge at the end and held out his hand and she touched it but just left, like he it shows that she's strong and doesn't need him and her focus is on her family, not on Agreed. Finding a mate, you know, and I like that. Now to that end, so that was Mulan's choice. And the father Mm -hmm. completely supported her being different and unique. Yet, at the very beginning, when the matchmaker comes to find her a husband, he still tells her, look, this is what you have to do. This is your role. You have to hide your chi, hide who you are to do this, because this is what is expected of you for to bring honor to your family. Well, she decides to go a different route, be the soldier, and still brings honor to her family, kind of shows everybody like, hey, you don't have to do this, um, what you are, quote unquote, you know, born to do. You can you can make your own path. However, the sister, though, in a, again, very underdeveloped character, also goes to the matchmaker. And when Mulan comes back from the war and they have their big hug and she goes, oh, I found a husband. He's kind of shy, but he's nice and I like him. And then drifts into the background. Yep. <laughs> now, if the point there was to show that the sister was still doing the traditional role of the woman in the family to bring honor, that's great. I would have preferred if they would have had scenes together where the sister perhaps chastises Mulan and says, hey, get these ideas out of your head. This is what we do. Explain that more, because I don't think there's anything wrong with people being expected to be a certain thing in their family. I think you get into questionable territory when it's forced on somebody, but I think that the expectation is just that you bring honor to your family, that you support your family. And if somebody wants to do something different, you understand why people get a little nervous about it. But then the sister was still being true to herself by saying, this is how I support the family by doing the thing they expect. But those two ideas never came together. And that sister became just another puff of smoke. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, You said it really well that people can decide how they want to honor their family. And she did the traditional route and she's happy to do the traditional route, but she, they never, aside from the scene in the beginning when Mulan's getting ready, they never really develop her other than saying that she can't wait for her day. Right. And then of course we see that she's past her day at the end. We don't see her day, but we see that she's past it at the end. Um, but that's the only development that her sister gets. Right. And you can't connect to a character that you have on screen for a total of like 17 minutes, if that, and their only defining characteristic is, I, I want to do what my family wants of me. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I do like, I will say there's, there's two things, three things that I did like about this film. The first one that I'll touch on is the battle sequence. Um, the, the middle battle sequence that is the same battle sequence that happens in the animated feature where they're on the mountain with snow and there's an avalanche and whatnot. Um, right before Mulan shows everybody that she is Mulan. Um, I do like 
that she was smart enough to figure out how to turn the tide and get the the enemy, the Ruran army, to shoot behind them and create an avalanche. I, I liked that they kept that pretty consistent from the film, um, or between both films. So I, I liked that sequence. It was visually stunning. I like that Yifei Louis, who is Mulan, does 90% of her, of, of her stunts in the movie. I think that's really cool. They found somebody that could do their own stunts. And then the last thing that I liked is that the original Mulan, Ming-Na Wen, had a brief cameo at the end of the movie introducing Mulan to the Emperor. I thought that was very cool. Hmm. But those are pretty much the only three things I liked. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like her her one move, her jump, spin, kick, a spear her into. Kick, yeah. I I like that visually. It's cool, um, but kind of I don't know takes away from Mulan's character that it was a supernatural chi power rather than just from the animated film. She was just a person doing a human thing. Yeah. I, I don't hate the fact that they use chi. I just, I, I don't like that they only use chi to basically describe away or plot away anything else that might've held weight. True. That's the problem I have with it. I like, I, I don't mind it. I mean, it's part of their culture. It's, it's something that, they believe oh, sure, in. as a, so as a cultural it. belief, but, but but as a supernatural power, mm-hmm. right? That that, that can turn somebody into a bird or a million bats, right? Which the the witch turn <laughs> which the witch turning into the bird to take the arrow for Mulan. It was, I I feel like that was poorly done because. I mean, turn her into the million bats and the bats make the arrow go off course rather than a bird that needs to get hit by it. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't need to die. And then her death scene was so contrived because she falls out of the air as a bird and you can see that it's CGI and Mulan runs up and is holding her hands in the air for way too long while the CGI bird drops into her arms. And then she's like, the witch is like, go do it for us. Do it for strong women, which, yeah, great. We want that in this movie, but the way you get to it, you don't need the witch to be the only character that tells Mulan she should be strong. Well, it didn't even make sense, really, um, the witch's whole character and premise that she was helping uh, the Khan, the main bad guy, um, Mm -hmm. giving him these shadow warriors and the strength to do all this. Cause she was an outcast and she wanted what was rightfully hers or to mm-hmm. be accepted or whatever she wanted. Right. right. To be accepted. But, mm-hmm. but in that scene where he's kind of, you know, talking down to her, you do what I say. And she grabs him by the throat and says, I could kill you. He's like, you won't cause you need me. Mm, and you she need didn't. Him. Yeah. <laughs> she she had like a dozen shadow warriors and I guarantee any one of them would have been like, Oh, I'm the guy now. Cool. Right. Yep. And, and he would have fallen in line and did what she said versus her having to, you know, 
try she herself to get this guy to taken fall, down right? everything. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't she understand. She could possess people. She could have flown in and possessed the emperor and then ruled ruled China as the emperor right. as a possessed emperor. Like she didn't need him. <laughs> you're right. You're. I was taking it a little more step by step, but you're right. You cut right to the end of the movie, and sure, that's all she had to do. Mm-hmm. She was already doing it, and and then she was a pretty, pretty badass warrior herself. Yeah. So I wish they had developed her more. I truly do. She she didn't get enough screen time for the power her character could have had. They just didn't develop her enough. Well, nobody was developed enough. No, that's exactly. True. That's true. No, nobody was, and that's that's what happened. You you had what seven, eight, nine underdeveloped characters all running amok in a kind of underdeveloped story, and that just—it's a simple, simple mm-hmm. story that they tried to add more depth to, but then just failed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we've talked in in the past about having too many writers can muddy a, a story. I mean, this this film was written for animation, obviously, but they remade that film with four writers for this. Oh my gosh. And when you get four people <laughs> taking know. a story that is a, an original traditional Chinese story handed down generation to generation as an oral tradition that then was made into this really fun Disney movie that kind of threw away history, but still made a good movie that people love. You take that story, you you combine both of them, but you get rid of what's true about what's, excuse me, what's brave, loyal, and true about both of them and just (laughs) boil it down with four writers coming after this, this mystical force to, make Mulan the person that she is. It's just, well, how did four writers not develop any character? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Now I I will say the only character that I really felt even the slightest connection with, and that I felt was probably the most developed, um, even, even under Mulan, I, I, but the dad, her father, Mm -hmm. I felt was, pretty complete even though he's just a simple idea you know he's yeah. the guy who wanted to do something couldn't do something and was kind of stuck in tradition until Mulan came along and showed him there is another way and it is acceptable and you can still be proud of it and and he was smart enough mm-hmm. to adapt to that and he was accepting and yeah. and I thought that was that was great because that that is maybe one thing the movie did do right was at the end when Mulan came back to the village by herself, her dad was very accepting of her and loved her and no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And then the emperor's contingency came in and said, by the way, she saved China. Here's a new sword. Come serve on the emperor's council. Because if she would have come in with all of that fanfare initially, you could have argued that the family and the village were just accepting of it because of the emperor's word. But I like that they did the scene with Mulan coming back solo first. So you can see that the family truly accepts her with no conditions and with no promise of greatness or anything. And we love you, Mulan. I love you too. 
oh, by the way, I'm a badass, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that did work. Now, that was a smart piece of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And the actor that portrayed her father is... He's great. He's in a lot of a lot of films. He's always he always just plays a good character. Yes. Um Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like how it ended, how she turned down the guard, went home, honored her family, and then they came in and said, You honored our your your country and your family. Join us. And that's when she then decides to. She needed to make sure she was okay at home because she still did feel that connection to her family. I, I liked that. And see, just to see, this is, this is where the ingredients just aren't there because it was too, you know, I was going to try and make a food analogy. I'm not going to do it, but to balance the emotional impact of that end to have an Eddie Murphy esque character on the side to then do like a, oh, y'all going to make me cry kind of line. See, that's what missed here. You didn't have those little fun asides. Like they even treat her whole being a woman and how is she going to manage her way through being in a barracks with all these men? How is she going to keep that a secret? These guys are running around shirtless and naked. And how is she going to do this? Well, she just takes guard duty every night. Well, not that you have to make it a huge issue like you know if you're worried about impressing the moviegoer who's like well how did she survive there's no way they didn't see she's a woman like you got to put that aside in the first place but you could have at least acknowledged it in a more humorous way in this one it was just like like in the animated film it was a funny scene that she went to 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 bathe and then Yao and the other ones show up and want to wrestle and she has yep. to kind of sneak away in this one. It's like, she's, she's does the same thing. And just the one guy shows up and she's like, go away. I came here to be alone. It's like, yep. Jeepers. <laughs> we don't even get a smile out of this scene. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. The characters were wooden. Yes. The characters were very wooden when it came to developing the bad guy. There, we got an, a backstory about him, but it didn't make us care any more about him than if he would have just been the Huns, because essentially they singled him out as this guy who was seeking revenge for his father, but then he just had an army and he was just killing everybody and killing the emperor was just part of it. But if you're making this movie about family, where Mulan is doing this for the honor of her family, you could almost make a somewhat sympathetic villain that you could at least understand if you would have had some sort of juxtaposition between perhaps his father was the guy who broke tradition from the emperor, and that's why the emperor had to fight him and kill him. Now you're kind of setting up a dynamic at that level where the bad guy is doing his bad guy things because of the honor of his family and and tie it directly to the emperor Rather than we're just a band of raiders and oh yeah, his his dad killed my dad in battle. Yeah, you know, Eric, they should they should hire you to write these movies. I mean that's so much better. <laughs> and all you need are three to four throwaway lines. And I, you've got it. I wish they would hire me. <laughs> yes, you could if throw you could do it with throwaway lines. You could I think that was just a, a an ingredient too that was missing from the villain is any sort of 
sympathy or mm-hmm. or even interest. Yeah. Like like if you think about your your best villains, like like even Hans Gruber, while you don't root for him as like oh you know kill people and and steal money, you at least understand him and can kind of relate to who he is as a as a person and his motivation and his motivation. Yeah. Where this was just blind, unexplained rage. Except, well, yeah. you killed my dad. Yeah. Yeah, and and on the other end of the coin is the emperor, who's played by Jet Li, and he just he was like a shell of himself too. He wasn't the Jet Li that we know and love from from movies. He was just kind of bland and blah. It's like he he actually turned down the role at at first. He didn't want to be in the movie, and his daughter said, "You know, Dad, you need to do this for representation for our people." And he was like, "Oh, you're right." So he went and did it, but it seems like he didn't put his heart into it there was no heart to put into (laughs) that's the that's the problem like uh, again the 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 emperor wasn't developed the the i mean Mm -hmm. gosh if you were really gonna break this movie down the only characters who really even had a little bit of emotion and development to them the the matchmaker Right. <laughs> you understood who she was. She was this severe woman with her set of rules who wanted women to be subservient and obedient and be these perfect little brides. And then when that didn't happen, she was angry and she was mm-hmm. mad and cast them out. You you got her character. And yep. and yet the least of the people we needed to really know and understand in this film. Yep. So Oh gosh. I uh, yeah, you mentioned Jet Li. I wish I wish he would have done more. That mm-hmm. that could have been anybody, and yep. every person in this movie could have been any other actor. And I know, I and the movie wouldn't have suffered. <laughs> That's true. No, there was no <laughs> real personality behind any of these characters. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that any of them acted poorly. I would say they that just weren't written and directed they well just enough to do it. Written well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Even Mulan. She needed to smile at least once. And I'm not the female smile police here, but you needed to see that there was a personality, a heart behind Mm -hmm. Mulan, not just the figurehead of a female taking control. Yeah. Yeah. And the 180 that happened to when she was cast out for being a woman and then she, the witch tells her the plan. So she comes back within like seven minutes and they all say, I stand with Mulan or I'm with Mulan. And then they give her the army. Now she, she, she's running the army. Now everybody follow Mulan. It's like, like that. Boom. And that's, that's funny. You bring that up because yes, they, so they, in their training, they set up what will and won't be tolerated within this army. And they go through this whole list of stealing will be met with death, you know, Doing this will be death. met with death. Doing this will be met with death. Um, being untruthful, yeah. Being untruthful, you get expelled. Yeah. Like so, basically everything, every every crime is met with death, except for lying. <laughs> and if you fail and you're not good enough to be in the army, you get expelled as well. So, what would have happened if Mulan's father actually went and tried to fight and couldn't? So he failed, right? He would have been expelled, and he wouldn't have. He would everything would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. She didn't need to go. He would have just come home. 
Yeah. That would have been that one, one, one practice round and he would have crumpled. Yep. End of the movie. Boom. So then, yes, it's, it is funny when she is, because I mean, as far as telegraphing where the movie's going, it's like, oh, so she's going to be found guilty of the one crime that doesn't kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I felt that was a little yep. kind of dumb. Like, everything carries a penalty of death except lying. Yeah. So then when she is found lying, she gets expelled. And you're right. Seven minutes later. She comes back and says, look, the witch told me everything that's going to happen. You have to believe me. Yep, we do. I don't know. It's it's a hard pill to swallow when we have such great... And, and gosh, I don't know even know how to say it because I, I feel like I'm going to say it with every single live action remake that we talk about, is that we have such great source material that Disney produced in the you know 80s, 90s, and early 2000s for all the movies that are going to come out. And... It's just so poorly done. And you'd think with the advances of technology and the advances of storytelling since these movies were produced, it would get better. But it doesn't. So Eric, before I get off on too many tangents about the movie and how I feel about it, did it ruin your childhood? Um, no. And, you know, for those of you scoring at home, you, you might even have to put this one down as an asterisk on the childhood since I did not see this movie until I was 27 years old. Um, the original animated film, that is. Um, but uh, it just did nothing for the enhancement of the existing property. Um, I think... Uh, the animated film is the far superior film. Uh, it still will still continue to be for me uh, a, one of the one of the greats. I, I put it up there, like right next to Lion King and and Aladdin for me. And Aladdin is probably my favorite of all time. So, um, I uh, no, it doesn't ruin it. It just was a very flat, bland. Nothing really exciting, nothing really to talk about. If you watched it, you're just going to walk away just feeling, eh, yeah, that was a thing. But you're not going to walk away quoting it. You're not going to walk away humming any songs from it. And you're, you're not, the first thought is not going to be, this is the film I show my daughter to show her how to be a strong woman. Because yeah. if that was the true intent, it still did not drive the point home. Right. Yeah, it, it didn't ruin my childhood, but like all of these live action films, they just miss the point of what we want. We, as moviegoers, we don't want a complete remake of the original, but we don't want a departure so far that it's a completely different film and you miss the message of what made the original so good. And that's what happened here is they tried so hard to create a new message, which, you know, I already talked about loyal, brave and true. And then they add the fourth virtue of family at the end of the film when they give Mulan her new sword. It's, it's trying to make us fit this new movie in a box that we had for the old movie. And it just, it's not the same size or shape and it doesn't fit and not only does it not fit, it's just a lesser lesser quality. So when you put it in the box, it rattles around. 
<laughs> so it didn't ruin my childhood. It's just, it's not something I'll revisit often. You know, I, I spent $30 on it because I thought we'd watch it with my daughter and we'd get mileage out of it and we'd watch it maybe a couple times, but it's too adult for my daughter and it's too poor of a movie for me. So I don't mind that I spent the money to support it, but it's not something I'll revisit often. And I will always go back to the animated feature if I want to watch Mulan. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. Eric, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at Eric underscore Walensky on Instagram. And for me, you can find me on Instagram TikTok and Twitter at Phil Demo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O, and also follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast Ruin. We hope that this look back at Mulan didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood this podcast ruined my childhood? Loyal, brave, It is my duty to protect my family. I'm Hua Mulan. I will bring honor to us all. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) Gosh. Well, now that you say that, I'm going to need to take a pause and find one myself. Oh, you really didn't want quickly. to leave it at that? That's funny. No, I'm gonna. Well, I want to reply to you with a oh. witty catchphrase oh, okay. because I never get to do them. So you can do, you can do them. We can flip oh, it no, up. No, 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 no. Oh, oh I want to okay. switch it up. I like that you do them. But where is quotes? Here we go. Okay, all right, I got it. So I'm just gonna jump in with yep. you there. Tell me. Am I loyal, brave, and true? Am I loyal, brave?